0: It's over? We lost? Alright, well, I guess that just goes to show me. Last time I ever tried to set up and move to planet Neptune. <laughs> oh Hello my best boys and girls. So today um I will be doing something that I hope becomes a regular uh thing on the podcast. And that is called the villain spotlight. So what this basically Matt is, is you guys know all the you know you guys uh, I'm, I'm confident you guys have seen pretty much all the or not all but it'd be kind of hard but a lot of villains in your days you know from ranging from eh they're not that bad to oh they're pretty bad however I have decided to select not one not two but three villains that I personally think are um are just especially bad. So without further ado, I'll be just, you know, saying who they are, saying what makes them so bad. Yeah, so let's get started. Before I get into that though, no, it's not my sponsor, um. I have a little bit of uh unfortunate news. Let's just put it like that. Um, so I know I told you that post-credits season 4, Ransom References, the season would end in two weeks. Unfortunately, this will be my last episode of the season. I will be coming back for season 5. However, right now, this will be the last episode of season 4. The reason is because my wife and I, we recently got new jobs. The jobs run a lot. The jobs run, well, mine at least... We have slightly different jobs, the same kind of thing. Um, It runs from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then, like, right afterwards, I have play rehearsal. So, yeah, it's honestly just a whole lot. Um, But, yeah, this will be the last episode of this season. I apologize. And I honestly thank you guys so much for sticking with me. Um, Yeah, my... uh, This... (laughs) The season's just been a lot. Um, I apologize. It wasn't very consistent. It was uh, pretty sporadic. I had I just had a lot of stuff going on. And if you're listening to this right now, that means you are a loyal member, and I just thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, more more uh, more thank yous later. However, I realized I said that I would do this, but I haven't yet. So I thought, hmm, why not? So. I mentioned how, hey, you know what would be kind of funny or fun? If I just had some music to go to go along with my podcast. So, without further ado, I will have music. And I said that this is... Looking back, this is kind of weird, but I don't really care. Um, I might fiddle around a little bit with, uh, different kinds of music, but so far, since this is only a test run of music in general on my podcast, I will go along with something neutral. It's called One Hour of World Music. So that's just music from different cultures. Um, and no, I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at all these. I'm not like, oh, look, this will make, this will appeal to everyone since I've touched every single continent. It's true. Oh, since I've uh, touched every single continent, this will appeal to everyone. No, I just, I've, i personally always liked learning about other cultures, and I've loved music, and this is kind of, you know, again, not because of the cultural thing, but because it's kind of, you know, mutually agreed upon, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, like, I personally love country. I know people that hate country music. Um, I also like, you know, old, a lot of older songs, like, you know, 80s, well, I think everyone loves 80s rock secretly, but... I love 80s rock. There's some people who don't like 80s rock. Um, my wife loves pop music, while some pop songs I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, so without further ado, here is some music from around the world. Um, th- I did not make this whatsoever, this is not mine, Um. so yeah, enjoy I guess, or maybe it's really distracting. You know, I think I'm just gonna have it for half of this. And see how that works out, because I don't want to ruin this entire episode, especially since it's the last one of the season. So, well, we'll see what happens. So, first up, we have a dishonorable mention. You know, the the joke is that, you know, it's supposed to be honorable mention, but since they're villains, it's it's, just, you know, who cares? Um, we have Mr. Scrooge. No, not the Mr. Scrooge that I, that is in the play that I'm in. Mr. Scrooge from, uh, from the movie Violent Night. What makes this guy so bad? So first, let's look at what his crimes are. He is essentially Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Basically takes a family or takes a group of people hostages, kills off the staff, including a really nice guy that Trust me, there is this one guy, he's, uh, I think he works the gate? It's been a little while, but he works the gate, and, like, everyone is, like, you know. And my friends and I, we saw this really nice guard who, like, interacted with the kid. We're like, oh, we like this guy. And we're like, no, he's gonna die! <laughs> and my friend, none of my friends were happy when he died. So, the guard, at least. It was very sad. Big sad. But, anyways, so, okay, what does he do that's so bad? Did he person? is he- he's basically Hans Gruber. Why is Hans Gruber not on this list? That's because Hans Gruber tried to kill a person. John McClane and he also shot and killed Joe Takagi and Harry Ellis and Harry Truman and Doris Day, Red Chad and John Ray South Pacific, Walter Witcher Jojo Maggio. I realize now that having another song in world music can be a bit confusing. Anyway, anyway, vive the questions. Anyways, um, but, so, so, uh, Hans Gruber, he killed a person. Mr. Scrooge, I'm just gonna call him Scrooge, he tries to kill something magical. And not just something magical, because, like, something magical would be like, you know, A fairy, or uh, maybe a magical creature, like a unicorn. Voldemort killed a unicorn. Sure, I'll I'll count that as reference, why not? Yeah, so, no, this is something big and something magical. Santa Claus. Literally, Santa. Like, people in the original Santa Claus movies, C-L-A-U-S-E, you know, like the boring legal term, that stuff... They bash on Neil for trying to disprove Santa to one child. This guy literally tries to kill, or tries to, yeah, he tries to kill Santa, the Santa Claus. The extremely magical, one-of-a-kind Santa who brings joy to all the children of the world. Like, what happens if there's no joy? And, like, no Santa. Like, that's just... Then that's no more Christmas. And, yes, you can look at this from... As I'm saying this, you can look at this from a different perspective. That the Jedi are evil. But... And say, like, oh, but... But... The Grinch did that. The Grinch took away Santa. The Grinch took away all their presents. And, and that was fine. No, but yes, yes, I get that. I get that Christmas is about more than that. I get that. But like, Santa's, you, you killed Santa Claus. I don't know if I can emphasize that. So first what he does is he throws Santa's bag into the fire. Now, how Santa's bag works has always been kind of a mystery for me at least personally. Um, I've seen it range from it just looks like a normal bag, and he just, you know, takes stuff out of there, to a giant bag, mainly in Polar Express. But, so, this one, as it works, um, it's a little bit tricky, but it's like, let's say, Finn, Willow, and Holly. Wow, how'd you come up with those names Those credits Yeah, Finn, Willow, and Holly lives in houses 1, 2, and 3. Finn lives in house one, Willow lives in house two, Holly Jolly lives in house three. So the way Santa's bag works is that it's like, it's programmed in there. Let's just say that, it's programmed in there. And like, he goes to house one, let's say Finn. Let's say Finn wants, I don't know, he seems like he'd want a scratching post. So Santa arrives in house one, he pulls out a scratching post. Santa arrives at house two. Let's say Willow. Willow wants a karaoke machine because she's been getting kind of noisy lately. So she goes to house two. Karaoke machine. Um, they go to Holly Jolly. Holly needs. Uh, she wants a bathrobe. I don't know why I thought of that, but she wants a bathrobe. So pulls out bathrobe. Boom. Nice and done. However, if let's say Santa goes to house one instead. Or house two instead, Willow's house. Is he gonna pull out the karaoke machine? No. He's gonna pull out the scratching post. So the point is that it knows like what the next houses up are supposed to ask for. Um that comes into play later on, but still he burns Santa's bag. That and Santa, David Harbour literally says, like, no, children's dreams aren't there. That that hurts. That, not gonna lie, that hurt because he just callously throws it in the fire, just like as it was, as if it was nothing. And I'm like, ooh, that hurts. Because like for some kids, like okay, whatever. They whatever. It's a video game. They're they're 15 years old. They'll get over it. But what if like the little babies and like five year olds who just really want something innocent, like a like a toy truck or a Barbie or shrimp on the Bobby or something like that. Like, come on, that hurts a little bit. That's mean. Um, but yeah, so... That is why... Scrooge is on... Scrooge from Violent Night is definitely on the meaner list. It is because... He gets a dishonorable mention. Again, I can't really emphasize... How bad it is to kill THE Santa Claus. Rather than just trying to disprove him... You ki- You try to kill Santa and eliminate, and you burned Santa's bag that has a bunch of children's dreams in there. And you literally do, you you do kill Santa Claus, because he's fatally wounded. Like, how? How do you callously kill the man responsible for bringing joy to millions of people? So, yeah, that's just, that's pretty bad. Yeah, so that is why... And yes, don't worry, spoiler alert, but it's a happy ending. Santa gets revived, he gets a brand new bag from Mrs. Claus, let's go Mrs. Claus. And yeah, so yeah, that is the, that's why Jimmy Martinez, AKA Mr. Scrooge, gets a dishonorable mention in this one. So this next one, I was immune to when I was a kid. And that is none other than Scar from The Lion King. Now, why did I win immunity saving from Tribal Council? Someone will be going home it's not you. Why was I immune to this when I was a kid? Well, I watched this a little a lot when I was a kid. I watched this a lot. I don't know. I think every kid has, you know, that one, that one thing that they just love watching over and over and over. And according to parents... Even if that thing is amazing, even if it's like, you know, a great piece of cinema or like just a really solid TV show or a lovable, kind of goofy, a little bit dorky, but a really lovable podcast called Post Credits, Ransom References, I don't know, hypothetically, you will not like it because you just get sick of it. It's like if you feed like your favorite food, if you just eat it constantly, day in, day out, laugh. That is what you will think of your favorite food, eventually. Anyways, um, yeah, that was The Lion King for me. So, I was kind of used to Scar. Like, I'm like, yep, bad dude. Got it. However, let's read off some of Scar's crimes and why they're so bad. So, when we're first introduced to Scar, he's just kind of, you know, an outcast. Literally, an outcast of the Pride. Um so he has the hyenas and he had and he gets an idea like to rise up against Mufasa the king of pride rock because he wants to be king he wants unlimited power now deja vu to my first my first few episodes so yeah he wants he just wants the power that comes with being king Um, he has, so yeah, he's ambitious. Um, but how he gets there, does he, you know, make a petition, you know, to inspire change? Maybe no more monarchy. Maybe he can be the vice president and then have a Supreme Court, have a Senate, have a House of Representatives, right? No. How does he do that? Let's see. He kills Mufasa. Now... Why is that bad? Well, Mufasa is, in my opinion, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I like this, one of Disney's best dads. It is voiced by James Earl Jones. And if you're like, huh, that name sounds kind of familiar. Well, that's because he is also Darth Vader in the the Star Wars franchise. In fact, James Earl Jones also reads the Bible. I saw an ad what time when I was watching late-night television. I liked I used to like channel surfing late at night and trying to guess the plot lines of films, but... Anyways, um, yeah. I personally think that it'd be funnier if James Earl Jones was reading, you know, the nice parts of the Bible in, like, you know, his Mufasa voice, but then switched over to Vader's voice for, like, you know, the scary parts of the Bible. Like, all Revelation is gonna be in Darth Vader's voice, except for maybe, you know, the nice parts where... We see what heaven is like, no more sickness, death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the older things that passed away. That's one of my favorite, that's, yeah, I'd say so, that's my favorite verse in the Bible, but that'd be, that could be Mufasa's voice, but like, everything else, talking about the tribulations, and the seals and stuff, yeah, that's Vader. Anyways, um, so he killed off one of Disney's best dads, like, Mufasa is one of the nicest dads ever. Like he loves his kid, he loves his wife, he loves his the area that he rules over. He is a good king. He protects his he protects his son from hyenas, even when arguably Simba was in the wrong. Now, did he deserve to die? No, of course not. But he is honestly one of the best Disney dads. Like super compassionate. Defends his son from hyenas, very fierce, but like not not provoking anyone for just for the heck of it. Yeah. Great, great dad. Um and in addition, he gives his son a talk into, like, look, I was scared about you. It was like I was scared that I would lose you. And so we can see that he's really compassionate, and simply just like I was trying to be brave, like he was like, being a king doesn't make you brave. And so <laughs> And then they play together. He's like, dad, we'll always be together, right? And I'm just like, ah, I know what happens. I've seen this movie a thousand times, but yeah. So he killed off one of Disney's best dads as he was trying to defend him, as he was trying to save his son from that very same fate. He callously threw him down. And then Simba had to see, his dead fa- his father. He had to see his father's dead body. And that's just super sad. Because he was trying to get him to get up. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. And then you see that dirtbag Scar. <sighs> scar. Anyways, what else did he do? Well, he almost killed Simba. He literally saw the hyenas, and he's just like, kill him. Just, he would have almost, so it's not enough just to kill Mufasa, one of Disney's best dads. He wants to kill his son, too. And he's young. The son is literally a baby. Like, if you guys have seen, like, tiger cubs, or lion cubs, not a tiger, lion cubs, then that's, you know, they're cute. But he still wants to get him violently killed ripped to shreds by hyenas and again the way he killed Mufasa was literally a stampede trampled him to death that's not a pretty death there was probably a lot of pain and suffering in that death so yeah um another thing is that he has massive influence in the area granted he he has the hyenas but they aren't like that powerful, but there's just a lot of them. In fact, in one of his mo- in one of the best Disney villain songs, "Be Prepared." In fact, you know what? You know what? You guys know what? Let's try something. Let's have some fun. What happened? I don't know. just left. Hey, uh, sound guy. Yeah. D- did Postgrad say where he was going? Uh, no, he just said he had a great idea and then left. Um, not to be hesitant, but last time he had a great idea, it literally almost ended the world. Twice. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of scared of this. Okay, I'm back. Don't worry. This is a great idea that won't end the world. Guys. So, <clears throat> I was talking about Scar's, uh, villain song, and... Disney villains, they always get great songs, like Poor Unfortunate Souls, uh, Friends on the Other Side, and of course, Be Prepared, from Scar. Yeah. So yeah, he has a great song, and I thought, since this is the first episode where I introduce music as a potential, again, it may not be a whole thing, as a potential thing, um, well, world music is enjoyable. It's not like Scar's song, I mean... Maybe if it was African music, like just, you know, African savannah music. But even so, world music's mostly meant to be, you know, pleasant. Not villainy. Villainy? Is that a word? Whatever. Uh, Not villain-like. So I thought, instead of describing it, why don't you listen to it yourself while I talk over it? Anyway, so, Asgar. Hmm, such a good song. So as <clears throat> Scar is singing his song, they want to highlight the influence he has over the hyenas. He doesn't have really influence over the lions. He's kind of an outcast. However, to show the power he has over the hyenas, at one point, this is kind of a strange song, strange part, like it's all lit, the gra- ground is kind of lit up. It almost looks like a video game kind of like this is kind of Even when I was a kid, I thought it was kind of strange. Now, I don't know how hyenas normally walk, but I don't think it's, like, that in sync or it looks like that exactly. Um, The reason is because when he is talking with them and you see them kind of almost marching in formation, that is because they literally used the Nazis... As inspiration for the hyenas. Like right here. Uh, uh, 114 in the music video. Around there. Depending on which version you look at. You can see that they're marching. He's standing on top. They literally used the Nazi party as inspiration. Now are they saying scars as bad as Hitler? No. No. There, there's no comparison. Hitler was obviously way way worse. But. They're just showing the power and the influence he has. Over the hyenas. And he's using his power to manipulate that. A manipulation. Just for that. So, they clearly show that he has, like, inspiration, and. Yeah. And they just do it in the greatest way. And also, a boss villain, so on. Like, that's just the cherry on top, honestly. Yeah. Be prepared for the next segment. So did I have to do it like that? Could I have stretched this segment out? Yeah, but the song isn't that long and it would have just been awkward. I'm going to try to scramble back to that song and blah, 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 yeah, no. So anyways... You got his power and influence. You got his main crime. But on top of all that, he also lied to Simba about his father's death. He blamed Simba. Simba is young at the time. And he made him feel like it was his fault that his father's death, one of the best Disney dads, his death was all his fault. Which is a total lie. But I mean, Simba was a cub, young. And, yeah. He, uh... He thinks that it's all his fault. And he carries that for the rest of his life. In the end, they... In the end, Scar says, like, he's like, so. He's like, you never told them about what happened to your father, did they? So... And then he makes him admit to the whole pride that he killed Mufasa. And they weren't there. They could be like, um, actually, that is not true. What really happened was this is a stampede, and then Scar pushed it No, That doesn't exist like that. There was only a couple of witnesses. The hyenas, who are on Scar's side, and they're not going to say nothing. Because Scar is a terrifying leader, first of all, and second of all, he's trying to help them, but it backfires anyways. And... Scar and Simba. Those were the only witnesses. So Simba carries around his father's death. He, as he gets older, he's not like, wait a minute. That didn't happen. I'm not responsible for it. So he makes it seem like it's his death. That his death is his fault. And he's already upset about it. That just makes it worse. And so he already, he just adds insult to injury. Pretty much literally too. Uh, the next horrible thing that he did on his list of crimes is he turned Pride Rock a flourishing ecosystem that is, uh, basically Circle of Life and all that stuff. Like, it's very balanced, as all things should be, but it actually is. Like, um, Mufasa actually mentions it to Simba. He's like, hey, this is the Circle of Life. And he's like, so everything kind of works together in a nice little circle. Sorry, I just had to change that music. It seems kind of weird. Anyways. Who I like this one. Anyways, um, what happens is that... Um, anyways, what happens with him is that... There was... Is that he turned a flourishing ecosystem into a desolate wasteland. Let me emphasize that he turned a flourishing ecosystem into a wasteland now i looked up something i am one i was wondering i was i was curious i'm like how long would it take how long did how long did it take for this to happen like was this a few years is this like a month was this like a decade cuz Simba goes through a transformation where he gets his mane. Now, I looked up how long does it take for lions to get their manes. And the thing that I saw haunted me. It was about mushrooms. I don't know why. For some reason, they thought I wanted to talk about mushrooms and not the actual animal. Because there's apparently mushrooms called lion's mane. I don't care about mushrooms. I don't even particularly like mushrooms that much. I mean, some, sometimes they're okay, but I think I'm eating the fungus. Eh. For some reason, that just mold and stuff, that, that grosses me out. I don't know why. But yeah, it just grosses me out. Anyway, where was I? Um, so what happened was that it takes about two years for a lion to get their mane. So not that long. But if you want, if it wants to be more relatable and more like, oh, humans can relate, then that would be about, Simba would be, it would be about, ooh, 15 or so years, about, if you want to make it for human, because I'd imagine he'd be around his 20s when he takes on Scar, maybe a bit younger, maybe like 10 years, actually, he'd be about, if he was like five, maybe like 15. anyways. So in the span of two to fifteen years, he turns it into a desolate wasteland. And who does he blame? Not himself. Why would he blame himself? I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Let's just let's backtrack a little bit. Let's make some regulations. No, he blames the lionesses because he's like the lionesses should be hunting. He's like the herds have moved on. We have to leave Pride Rock. And he takes it out on Simba's mom, too. So, that, that yeah. And he literally attacks her. Well, not like, you know, violently, but just like, swipes at her. So now, what Mufasa, a good king, would have done in that situation, then he would have probably, maybe then he would have asked their, some opinions, been like, What should we do, guys? Maybe we should ration the food out. Maybe he would begrudgingly leave Pride Rock. Um, He would do something better, not just blame someone and then just yell at them. Yeah, so that is why Scar is one of the worst villains. He, uh, He has a lot of influence. He killed one of the best Disney dads and tried to blame the kid for it. He gaslit the kid and he turned a thriving ecosystem into a wasteland. Therefore, Scar, that is why you are one of the best villains. And what was Scar's overall fate? Literally getting beaten by Simba and then torn apart by the hyenas. Pretty fitting, I think. All right, so for a few things, or one thing before I start this is that I've decided to just kind of, you know, not do music for this segment. Um, the reason for that is because that if you guys don't like the music, then it won't, you know, ruin the whole episode because there's music in it. Um, so yeah, this, the rest of the podcast episode will not have any music. No music for you. No soup for you. So, this next person is what inspired me to make this episode. Well, him and Scar inspired me. And that is none other than Spider-Man... Uh, Far From Home, yeah, Far From Home, sorry, all the Spider-Men are very confusing, like Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Homeless, Spider-Man House, Spider- whatever, yeah, you know, you get the picture, um, so Spider-Man Far From Home's villain Mysterio, Wow. Mysterio is honestly one of the best MCU villains, in my opinion. And yes, I know, Thanos is more fleshed out. Um, Thanos is more, you know, fleshed out. Loki's extremely complex. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I get it. But Mysterio is one of the best because of a few reasons. Um, First of all, we're introduced to him, and he is introduced as a hero. He's a twist villain. So he is introduced as a hero. We're like, "Okay, we can trust this guy." In fact, he was already a little bit suspicious on my radar, but I'm thinking like, "Okay, maybe he's an okay guy." And then he's like, "Okay, yeah, I'm actually evil." So he wants Tony Stark, who has been deceased at this time, Tony Stark's glasses. And the reason he wants them is because he wants to be the ultimate... He wants to be... He's basically a syndrome. He wants to be the hero. Like, he can't... He has an army of people with drones that can make up stuff. Like, it can essentially make him look like a hero. When he's just really a villain. Yeah, he wants to be the hero. He's basically just syndrome, I'll say at this point. And so... One of the things that he does is that he creates these elementals. Um, You know, elementals like water, earth, fire, air. Um, He creates them. He makes two main ones, a water one and a fire one. Uh, The fire one is just kind of, you know, she's kind of annoying. She's a girl. She's kind of not really annoying. She's just kind of annoyed at everything and bitter. The guy is just very emotional and they have to try to get together. And that's how he created the movie Elementals by Disney. Yeah, but he basically makes these elementals, and he basically films himself, like, going in and fighting them, basically. But it's all an illusion. It's literally just smoke and mirrors. He shows how he does it. He has this massive uh, tech team. He basically can create virtual reality using the drones and stuff. Okay, so what? So what? He's Syndrome. He basically just... He tricks a kid into giving him Tony Stark's all-powerful glasses. So what? Why is he so? Why is he so bad? Well, the reason is because that besides the influence he has of a bunch of other people, basically he was scorned by Tony Stark, and he wanted to get back at him. Um, like always, oh, like he didn't like how big Tony Stark's ego was, and that's one of his motivations. So he's the puppet master of all of his cronies. Like, he basically tells them, and they all do it. And there's a pretty big army. Uh, if he was just one person, yeah, he wouldn't be much of a threat. Maybe he has, you know, maybe the glasses make him a bit of a threat, but honestly, not that big of a threat. He has, like, a whole team working for him. He's, he's basically been pulling the strings of the attacks on London. Like, they're in London at the time. And basically, like, well, yes, it's not, you know... While it's not real, some of it is real, and some of it can actually hurt people too. So he literally doesn't care about any other human life. Like, yes, there's not like a bunch of fire that's gonna actually consume them, but there are some things like, um, he has something like kind of rock London Bridge, so so it's falling down, falling down. I don't know if it was London Bridge, it was just a bridge. So he has that kind of rocket, but yeah, that can actually hurt someone. Um, So yeah, he's the puppet master. Another thing, he is absolutely terrifying. Like, I mentioned how he can create a virtual reality. Now, story time real quick. I remember when I was one Christmas at my grandma's house, I got a virtual reality headset. It was pretty freaking sweet. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, and so I used it, and one of the games, for some reason, I downloaded was this horror game called Sisters, and my whole family downloaded it, too, I don't know, um, VR was still kind of a, um, mainstream, I should say, VR was still kind of a new concept to that, and so I downloaded it, and it just plunges you into a, yeah, this horror world, and my pretty greatest fear is jump scares, yeah, so it was pretty scary, um. And one of the things I quickly realized was, like, if I'm watching a horror movie and there's something scary on the screen, I can just look away. I can just, like, you know, be like, nope, not going to look there. Just look at part of the screen or something like that. No. That's not the same with VR. VR, it is literally all around you. Like, you can't look in any way, and be safe. I mean, you might be able to, like, look at the ground or something or, like, zoom in on the ground and maybe you'd be safe, but no. You're still, like, in it. Like, it's literally all around you. That's what makes VR so good. And so, if a villain gets VR and he wants to scare you, there is literally nothing he can't do. Look up, like, dream sequences for, or mysterious sequences from, for Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, he's, like, you know, he appears all around him. It's completely dark. It's just foggy. He, like, appears... He appears him. He's, like, there's monsters and stuff scaring him. Tony Stark pops up from his grave. Yeah. So, he is a terrifying villain. Like, disorienting and just completely terrifying. Um, he also... He kind of, you know... He does kind of, like, what Scar does a little bit. But, like... Worse, kind of, because he says like he's He literally tells Peter Parker, uh Tony Stark was basically his father figure. Like he looked up to him as a father. And honestly, I think that Tony Stark saw Peter as his kid too. So, Mysterio literally told Peter Parker like, if you have been maybe if you have been better, Tony Stark would still be alive. And that just." <clears throat> He basically uh, gaslights him into thinking that maybe if you were better, maybe Tony Stark wouldn't be dead, which is total BS, by the way. Like, Tony Stark willingly made that sacrifice in Avengers Endgame. But still, Peter's just a kid, like, easily manipulated. So he basically, like, says, like, if you have been... Like, if you were better, don't, like, if you weren't... If you, were, if you were better, Tony Stark would still be alive. He would still be alive. And that's when Tony Stark pops up from the grave and stuff. And, like, yeah. Another thing, um, kind of going on with the being terrifying, and this is what really takes the cake for me, for Mysteria personally, is that it creates trust issues with us, the audience. Like, for instance, Scar didn't do that. Scar can't create trust issues. We're like, oh, yeah. Bad guy and like uh, when he said when he tried to gaslight uh, Simba he's like, oh yeah by the way, you killed Mufasa we're not like oh, that's true he did kill Mufasa oh, no we, we we saw it happen we're not we're not like oh yeah it was Simba no 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 so it creates trust issues with the audience like we were leaving guessing like is this a real sequence like is this real or all in his head because there have been plenty of quote unquote, real things that all of a sudden we're like, nope, it's not real. Like at one point, Peter Parker, like appears, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, whatever you want to call him, appears in a warehouse and Samuel L. Jackson's there. He's like, hey, it's okay. You're safe now. And then it wasn't real. So now we're constantly, we, the audience, are constantly left guessing. Like, is this a real sequence? Is this not real? Like when Tony Stark popped up from the grave, we're like, okay, that's clearly not real. But like we are left guessing, like is this a real sequence? Is this real? Is this fake? Is this real? Is this fake? Blah, 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 blah. So it creates distrust with the audience because we don't know now what's real. It's very disorienting for us too. It almost puts us in Peter Parker's shoes. Like, is this real or is this fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality, which is often disappointing. Open your eyes. Look up to the sky and see. <clears throat> that actually hurt my throat. Ah. Anyways, um, what I was saying was it also creates distrust with the audience, too. And in my opinion, that is really hard to do. Because, like, it's it's VR, again. It, it's made to look realistic. Like, I was left guessing, like, Okay, is this real? So we have to wait a little bit for the whole scene to play out. Then we're like, okay, it is real. It it is a real thing that's happening. Okay. And in fact, with Peter Parker, like, he's been bamboozled by uh, Mysterio for a while now. Like, he tricked him into giving him glasses. He's made a bunch of nightmare sequences. So it also creates distrust with him, too, and, like, happy. Happy Gilmore. Yeah, but with Happy, he's like, wait, how, how can I know you're real? And then he has to, you know, he has to basically check. So it all comes together and all combined with the fact he's just a kid. I mean, the actor's like in his 20s, but he is playing a high schooler. I don't know what grade. I don't know if they ever said. I don't think it's a freshman or a senior, maybe junior or, or maybe sophomore junior. I don't know. But yeah, he's just a kid. And, like, if you were, if that happens to, like, I don't know, Chris Evans, he would probably be, he might be able to keep his cool, you know. He was in, literally, World War II. He might be able to keep his cool. Again, um, Doctor Strange, he can probably counteract it somehow with his, uh, somehow by using something. So, Doctor Strange would probably counteract that. Everyone else is already mature, but he is a kid. So, my audience, think back when you were in high school, Now, if you constantly had a massive pressure put on you, you know, and, like, someone was constantly trying to trick you, how would that make you feel? I know, I'm showing my psychology side. How does that make you feel? But, I mean, seriously, that is what Peter Parker is going through. And so that is one of the reasons that Mysterio is just an amazing and a great villain. Is because that he creates distrust with not only Peter Parker, but with the audience, as well. Um. Yeah. And. I've honestly. I've said this before. But I'll say it again. He's a scary dude. He's pretty scary. Yeah. So that is one of the reasons that Mysterio is. In my opinion. One of the greatest villains. And that's why he deserves to be in the villain spotlight. So that's the part of the show. I up. The I said it to you guys. Villains. You love to hate them. As Ferb. So, geniusly said, <clears throat> a hero is a hero, but everyone loves a great villain. Yeah. Um, so, some of the reasons that they are villains is sometimes, well, in uh, Scrooge's case, he goes after, literally, Santa Claus and destroys his bag that has children's dreams in it. Um, if you're talking about Scar, he killed one of the Disney's best dads and he gaslit Simba and made him carry around this lie and this guilt for all of his life. Until, you know, he comes clean. As for Mysteria, well, he's just a terrifying villain, and he creates trust issues with the audience. So yeah, that is all for this episode. So, once again, this will be my last episode of Season 4. I'm planning on Season 5. So, what does this mean? Well, this means it's my annual thank you and goodbye. Well, I tried out a few things this se- this season. I have included reference counter. Don't worry, I've not forgotten about the reference counter. Um, I also this just this one. I added music. Um, the slight caveat with the music, I will be making it more um, themed and more appropriate. Like, although I didn't have uh music for um for Myster- for the mysterious segment um. That would have probably been London inspired. Um maybe I'll just have it like be a superhero soundtrack or something like that. Or maybe a supervillain soundtrack. <laughs> that was a terrible evil laugh. I'm sorry. But yeah, it will be more themed, I think. Um like how I did scars, I had well I had to be prepared, then I typed in traditional African music. Um, yeah, I realized the cultural music wasn't really working, but... So I decided to make it maybe themed. Again, I do not own any of the music. Trust me, I do not. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for listening again, like this episode was. uh, This has been a big year. I got involved in theater again... It sound like I'm involved in something bad, but no, I got involved in theater again, i uh have a new job, so there's that. um yeah, uh so thanks for listening and again, I apologize that this has been a very sporadic year, but if you're listening to this right now, I'm dead, and I'm sorry no i'm I'm not dead i'm I'm not yet dead. um and yes, I'm counting the whole if you're listening to this, I'm dead because I think that's a trope used anyways, um, yeah, uh, I also want to hear back from you, yes, you and you and you and you and you and you you because um I want to know how I can make this better, like I want to know how I can make post credits season five better, like if you don't like the music, tell me if you think the reference counter is too distracting, tell me if you think um I'm just a bad at pod. Tell me why? Ain't nothing but a heartache Yeah, um. But yeah, uh, like I said, I started Post Credits Podcast in 2020. I had some ideas way before that, but 2020, quarantine, lockdown, you know, I was sent home from school. Everyone was sent home from school, but I just wanted to make the world a little lighter. And through this, um, There has been some dark stuff in the world, like with wars and stuff. And I honestly hope that Post Credit's podcast can just be, you know, kind of like a refuge. Just kind of like a place to just slow down and just relax and take your mind off of something for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how long I go. So I just hope that this has just been an enjoyable experience for you. And I can see that you guys are still listening to even old episodes. So that means that... Yes, while my viewership has slowed down a little bit, due to me, I'm fully accepting responsibility, that people are still listening to post-credits, and I just thank you for that. Um, So yeah, I will still be here for uh, post-credits, Rants and References, Season 5. I thank you, and for the last time, this... Oh, and I'll probably have a Christmas episode, too. Still figuring out the logistics of that. But yeah, so for the last time in my regular season, season four, this is post-credits, ransom references, season four, roll credits. And in traditional fashion, I forgot the references. There's 20 references. Yeah, I really can't say much else. This is very quick. Now this next one, I was kind of immune to actually. And that is none other than Scar from The Lion King. Now, why was I immune to this? Well, I watched this a lot, a little, a lot, when I was a kid. Oh, that doesn't, on. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Could that have been, did I have to do that? Did I have to end the segment? No, I really didn't have to um but did i want to yes because unfortunately the song isn't that long it's kind of a short song so yeah um what is this sorry sorry i'm gonna have to change this song hang on this is gonna go into blooper reel all right so no this song is not much better